This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Dr. Dab Show. Today I have a very special, beautiful guest with me, Chengi from Black Swan Academy. Chengi is a dating expert and relationship coach and the founder of Black Swan Academy that teaches women how to date, how to be feminine, and how to be irresistible towards men. I am so excited to have her here today. Welcome, Chengi. Thank you. Thank you. What an honor. I'm really, really blessed to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm blessed uh, to have you love here. Love your work. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm blessed to have you here. You are definitely an inspiration in terms of women who are online teaching content on dating and femininity, especially in a way that is Christ-centered and respectable. You are definitely someone that I look up to, and I really hope that this will allow other women to be able to see what you you have to share. Thank you. I am so humbled. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So tell us, what is a Black Swan and what is Black Swan Academy? Black Swan is really a Latin phrase that was coined to indicate something that didn't exist. So it was almost like a unicorn. So when people were talking, oh, that's a black swan, that's never going to happen, doesn't exist. And so, you know, logically it became a thing where if a black swan was discovered, then that would undo all systems of thoughts and logic and, you know, ways of thinking. And it would pretty much dismantle the basis of any argument. And so I remember when I was a single struggling mama working three jobs, you know, my story, the single mama story. (laughs) I was, you know, sitting there and a friend of mine who I went to church with, she invited me out for lunch. And she said, she told me a story about a little village and they all believed there was no such thing as black swan. And what's that? And then one morning, everybody was out on a Sunday morning and along comes this beautiful black swan swimming by. And she was like, you know, that is the black swan story. And, you know, she said, you're a black swan. And I was like, yeah, I am. So from that moment onwards, I became the black swan. All my friends knew me as Chengi the black swan. And it was really about redefining myself and kind of going against the status quo because I wouldn't have bet on me then at all. You know, I was divorced. I mean, every horrible story you can imagine. I was dismantled and I thank God for that because I'm here for that. But it really was about that. So I started off with Chengi's world and then eventually I knew that it had to be more than me and my story and my journey. And the Lord was like, it's time to create the black swan relationship academy. And the academy was really because God wanted to really create a culture within his kingdom and beyond where we had an education mindset towards relationships and we weren't just making it up, you know, and we had a system because I realized that a lot of my clients, a lot of the problems, the Bible says, you know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. I realized that what was destroying relationships, mine included, obviously having worked on myself and working on myself still, was that I just didn't know stuff. I was just expected to know stuff. And I didn't actually know that it was actually more systematic and more simple and more, I just needed to know. So the Academy was born and here we are. We are the Black Swan Relationship Academy. That's beautiful (laughs) that I've never actually heard of Black Swan. So I didn't know that was a real thing, but that's the whole point, right? Yeah. (laughs) That is so beautiful. It's nice that you're teaching women because someone like me growing up, I didn't have any of this instruction. And like you said, we're expected to know. So you were married, you had children. And it's like, if you would have gotten this information when you were dating, you may have fallen in love with someone different or you just may have been different. Right. And so it's like now you're working backwards, but you're also helping and healing women along that journey. So that's wonderful. So one of the things that you teach in the Black Swan Relationship Academy is how to be irresistible towards (laughs) (laughs) towards high quality masculine men. Yes. What is one way that you think women can be more irresistible? Because 
when we're dating, we're hoping to be the woman that is different than all of the other ones, right? We want to be able to stand out and be memorable. Are there things that women can do to be more irresistible to men? That's a brilliant question. And I'm going to answer it this way. To be irresistible to a man is not what you do. It's who you are. It's who you be, right? And what I also want to say is that we are each created with our unique self, We all have our unique energy signature. We all have our uniqueness within ourselves. So the issue is not how can I become unique? How can I get uniqueness and add it to myself? But how can I reveal my uniqueness? And what is often stopping us from revealing our uniqueness is the standards of this world, is the doctrines of this world, is the programming, is what we're told is the Hollywoody, you are only pretty if you look like this, you're only valuable when you look like this. So the issue really is about revealing, and I kind of think of it as removing the grave clothes. What do we need to take off that doesn't belong to you Mm -hmm. so that we can find your true authentic self? Because your true authentic self is made in the image and likeness of God. And I always say, that there's no one more irresistible than Jesus. I mean, if people are resisting Jesus, it's because they haven't seen him. It is because he's being misrepresented. Because I'm yet to find a person who would see love uncontaminated in its purest form and reject it. It is impossible. We are actually made to be attracted to the image of Christ. So I always say that when we see him, when we behold him, we cannot deny him. I'm yet to meet a person who's had an encounter with Christ, the real Christ, not the church or some of us crazy Christians, including myself, who would resist him because he's so irresistible. Now, if I'm made in the image and likeness of him, then I am irresistible. And so it's really about the renewing of my mind and the redefining of myself. And for me as a woman to really magnetize a man who just cannot forget about me is about coming into myself and removing all of the things that get in the way. And that is being my most divine feminine self. Because femininity really is about a relationship with yourself. Because the feminine is inward and the masculine is outward. So when we are being who we were supposed to be created to be, when we are being our essence, that is an understanding that I already have perfection in me. I already am good. I'm already feminine. A lot of women are like, how do I become more feminine? Well, you are already at your core, right? Now, what has happened is you've been told by this world to disown, deny, reject, repress, suppress it. So what we have to do is make it okay for you to be you and you'll be unforgettable. You will be totally unforgettable. But that's, you know, a little bit of work is required, but it's first accepting thyself and first accepting that one truth and that will change everything if you just accept that i am already i am you know i am not to be i am there were no mistakes when i was born as a baby i didn't grow up with any insecurities when i came out of my mama's womb i was a perfect feminine goddess Mm -hmm. (laughs) made in the image and likeness of christ and had no reason not to believe that i'm amazing and guess what happened everybody wanted to touch me kiss me hold me be around me protect me I hadn't learned all these things that push people away and I hadn't been traumatized and I hadn't been hurt. So if I was born in that state, mm-hmm. just totally magnetic, you know, and everybody wants to see me, people come from far away to see the newborn baby, don't they? They, yeah, sure they do. make arrangements to see the newborn baby and we all want to protect the newborn baby. So that means I was born with it. But along the way, I repressed it and disowned it, maybe because somebody took advantage or maybe somebody hurt me or somebody repressed it for me. So it is a truly a healing journey. And once you can do that, We've got irresistible all packed in. But of course, there are some things we can't ignore. And I know that you teach that as well on your work and in your channel. We can't ignore looking the most beautiful self that we can be. (laughs) You know, we can't ignore presentation. We can't ignore being classy. We can't ignore being sophisticated and elegant and really understanding what those things mean. Because I think some of us think that's being bougie, Mm -hmm. right? It's being you know, we call it posh here. It's more than that. It's just being a really well-mannered, self-respecting human. And that is irresistible in the 21st century where that is more of a rare breed than it used to be many years ago. So that's a really practical, it's definitely starter, but the more deeper work that makes you irresistible at 85. You're right. No, that was beautifully said. And I like what you said about Christ being irresistible and us being born in that state as well. 
Yeah. I do find that with women who are trying to fit in and trying to date successfully and who maybe I would say slightly quirky or just a lot different than the norm in society. Maybe they just love to have fun or they want to just be more carefree than the average woman. They find difficulty in dating. And because of their personalities, they're trying so hard to be normal, but it's stressful. It feels depressing. And when you tell them, well, just be yourself, be your authentic self, they say, I am, but then men don't want to date me. (laughs) (laughs) For women who are dealing with this very real reality, where should they start in terms of balancing being who they are, but then also realizing that parts of who they are can come off a little jarring to people or can be a turnoff depending on how they're doing it or where they're doing it? Is there a place that they can start with this? Would you recommend coaching? Would you recommend therapy? Would you recommend, what would you recommend to someone who's dealing with that? I love that question because I was talking about it today. That's to do with your self-image. That's really not to do with who you are. Would I recommend coaching and therapy? Uh, 100%. (laughs) Essential. I don't actually think you can become a black swan or an attractive and irresistible woman unless you go to therapy and coaching if you can afford it because I love working with therapists personally because it's a great job the both of us but back to your question this is where we fall in relationships it's really to do with our self-image who we think we are there is no one whose essence is the truth their spirit who is jarring or unattractive these are all coping mechanisms these are all adaptations these are all these sharp edges that we create because we have been wounded, because we carry trauma, because somebody did something that they were not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. When we recognize, when we identify with our wounds and identify with our dysfunction, this is a problem. So even as quirky as you are, (laughs) there's still, you know, this is a conversation I have with women all the time. Oh, Chingy, do I have to dumb down to be a feminine woman? I mean, Mm -hmm. do I have to? I'm like, but let's explore what else you are. Are you just a professional? Are you just a millionaire? Are you just a celebrity? Are you just a gorgeous woman? Is that all you are? So if we can ask that question and say, actually, are you just quirky? Is that all you are? Are you just jarring? Is that all you are? Are you just this huge, overwhelming person? Is that all you are? Because when we ask that question, we realize that, no, you are actually other things too. You are actually kind. You're actually thoughtful. You're actually trustworthy. You're loyal and you are kind, right? Mm -hmm. You have other things. So what I say to my clients is, why don't we lead with the rest? And when we lead with that other stuff, mm-hmm. then people's hearts will open. Right. Because the whole relationship thing is about open hearts. It is a matter of the heart and hearts open to the part that we are so not willing to identify with. Right. So mm-hmm. as we build our self image, who do I think I am and who am I really? And the biggest lie that the enemy has told us is that who you think you are is who you are. You are not who you think you are. You are who God says that you are. That's right. And that is truly who you are. Now, the world wants to give us, if you don't define who you are, somebody will do that for you. And many of us have been defined by others. And the journey is really to defining our self-image because our self-image determines everything. It determines what we allow people to do and not do. We choose our mate based on our self-image, who we think we are. That's so We true. allow abuse based on our self-image, who we think we are. Mm-hmm. And who is that person? That person is somebody that was handed down to you half the time. That's right. You it's something you're are. taking off. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. sp- you spend your whole life taking off the things that yeah. people have put on you. Yeah, absolutely. So I would definitely recommend that. Anyone who is dealing with that has to deal with who else am I? What else am I not allowing myself to be? Because sometimes as well, we get caught in a box. You know, in a friendship group, you're the loud one. Mm -hmm. You're the party one. You're the sweet one. (laughs) You know, we kind of get 
given these roles to play in our family, in our friendship groups, right? And we can say, okay, perhaps that's how I've been showing up and perhaps that's a part of me. And I'm not going to just own that because for some reason, I still have relationships and people who love me with that. Mm-hmm. But what else am I? And if you can answer that question, then you're going to be fine. You don't have to fit in or conform to any image. You can just be all the other amazing things that, that you are. That's right. When you're coaching these women and teaching them how to be black swans, what is one of the most common difficulty that you see women dealing with in dating right now? Selection. In terms of not having enough men to select from or not being able to select properly? That's a good question. Yes. Not being able to select properly. I see. I don't actually believe there is a quantity or enough men problem. You know, God doesn't make any mistakes. He didn't kind of not put enough, right? Albeit the world will say, well, the numbers are. And then when you take away and you put these ones in prison and you don't, okay, right. And they are. (laughs) I'm in a prison and the old, you know, there's a thing God has called balance, you know, nature and all things that is created always come to a balance. So I don't actually believe there's a scarcity problem in reality. I believe that there's a scarcity mindset. Absolutely. What are women seeking right now in relationships that you're sort of having to redirect? A lot of women, either in a relationship with somebody who doesn't honor them mm-hmm. and they're trying to get that person to become the person that honors them, right? Right. Some want to find a relationship that they want. And what they're missing is that we don't get the relationship we want. We get the relationship we feel we deserve. So can you explain what the difference is between a relationship that you want and a relationship that you feel you deserve? I'll explain. I'll give you an example. Okay. So I was talking to a client of mine and she was like, I want a man that does A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. I was like, fantastic. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's just brilliant. That's just fantastic. Now she was actually seeing somebody who was just not any of these things. Okay. Well, maybe one. And so I said to her, but what do you feel you deserve? Well, I want, da, 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 da. and she goes into us. So thank you so much for answering my question. Well, a question, that wasn't my question. What do you feel you deserve? She couldn't really answer that. And obviously she started crying and weeping because it then occurred to her that, and I explained to her, look, what we deserve, what we feel we deserve is ultimately what we put up with, is ultimately what we accept because truly This is what I deserve. And many of us don't realize that our trauma and our family dynamics and all of these other things in our self-image have told us what we deserve. And we will always vibrate at the frequency of our truth, not our desires. I want a Bentley. I keep telling everybody I need to have my Bentley. But what I do have is not a Bentley. Because what I truly believe I deserve is the car I do have. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I work for. Right. It's what I, I afford it because that's what I work for. Now, if I really want a Bentley, I might have to break a back or a neck or sell a kidney. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to get a Bentley. But I would do something different. I wouldn't go to the shop that I went to to get my car. I would go to Bentley. So I would what- figure out what Bentley requires of me to have a Bentley. So when you know what you deserve, you always move in the direction of what you deserve. I see. Does that make sense? Whereas what we want Mm -hmm. is something that we're hoping almost we don't deserve it. So of course you're beautiful and and gorgeous and kind and lovely, but you're dating men that abuse you or in a relationship that is unkind because somewhere deep inside you, and I'm sure you would know this as a therapist, that when you begin to do some digging, you realize daddy's in there, mommy's in there. Oh, yeah. Always. Always. (laughs) You're just dating what you know. That's what you feel you deserve, what you know. It's interesting because when we're seeing this culture of women discovering that they haven't been honoring their femininity and they're looking for more in life and more out of dating, it seems like I'm almost seeing the opposite. I'm seeing women who are saying that they deserve every woman wants a man who has seven figures of income and has a house on an island and all these things that are just a little bit outrageous. 
you know, for every single woman to think that this is what she deserves. But you hear that women are saying, I deserve this. I deserve a man to be a millionaire because I'm a special, gorgeous, feminine (laughs) woman. But in reality, they don't feel like they deserve that. And I think it's difficult for women to understand where they really are. You know, yes. and and I think that's the difficulty is because they're being fed that you deserve this, you deserve this, and you, and you do deserve the best, but the best doesn't have to be the top of the line in terms of like the number that's- one like <laughs> income, the number one like best looking yeah. man, best house, best. It can be best to someone, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's best for you, right? 100%. And I think that's and the what, difficult part. What I say to women is this: if I gave you that guy, the seven figure guy. Mm-hmm. With all of the yachts and the boats, and if I actually literally present him to you, you would reject him because automatically you would feel undeserving. Do you think that they would reject him or do you think that they would not know how to behave with him? Because I think a lot of women want certain things, but if it was presented to them, they have no idea how to interact with this kind of man. They would think that, like you're saying, they would think that maybe they're doing the wrong things. He doesn't really like me. A, a man like this probably wants that and I'm not this. And, you know, just not even able to deal with what comes with a man who makes seven figures. There are lifestyle changes that you're going to have to adapt to. You're going to have to be okay being by yourself a lot because he's busy or, you know, there's a lot of things that women don't want to do. And they may say that they do, but they don't. I actually heard, um, I think his name is Stephen Speaks or Stefan Speaks, relationship coach Uh saying that he is the kind of person that would give his wife an allowance to get her nails done, hair done, buy clothes, get massages, because he wants a woman who takes care of herself. He wants a woman who enjoys it. And you would think that every woman would be like, wow, I want a man like this. But in (laughs) reality, some women may think it's a burden. Oh my goodness. He wants me to get my nails done. He wants me to get a massage. He wants me to look like this all the time. Like, I can't keep this up. I don't really want this. Yeah. Right. Even though they thought that's what they deserved. (laughs) I mean, you hit the nail on the head where you said a lot of women think they know what they deserve. The self-awareness, this is an issue and this is shows up a lot. We're really not self-aware, most of us. And to be honest, it's a lot of work to become self-aware because what I think I deserve and what I truly feel I deserve, these are two very different things. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right, because the truth is, if I deserve a seven-figure guy with a yacht and a boat, my whole lifestyle, the places I spend time in, the things I spend money on, the people I call friends, make that so natural to me. And chances are I am surrounded by these types of gentlemen. Because if I deserve that, I'm not going to spend time over there, am I? It's not, I, we do what we feel we, I deserve to eat in a great restaurant and I deserve to be in a private members club. And that's what I deserve and that's what I do, <laughs> right. right? I don't, you know, spend time at the local, whatever. So the truth is, if we are honest with ourselves, we our whole lives are a manifestation of our beliefs mm-hmm. and therefore what we feel we actually deserve. Every single yes. thing, because there really is no limit to what we can be or have in terms of our ability and faith and knowing God and his ability in our lives. So what caps us is really just our belief system. And so many women have that. I have a few clients who are very beautiful and you know they're successful in their own right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're dating the other guys we don't want to talk about. And eventually they start to date men on actually their level, Mm -hmm. men who are financially secure. And then what they do, like you said, is begin the self-sabotage journey, right? (laughs) Right. All of a sudden, oh, I don't think, I think he's going to dump me. Oh, I don't think, oh, so what do I do? And what do I wear? And so, you know, when I first meet them, they're like, oh, I think, you know, um, my problem is that I'm insecure and I've got anxious attachment because we learn a lot of stuff online, right? right. I'm like, well, I, I, it is possible. But when I'm looking at your history, I think you just choose really rubbishy men, you know, and then we work through the whole sort of process and all of a sudden the men on the level come along and they just petrified. I had a client who went on three dates. I mean, this man was just showing up like the black swan kings that we love. Yeah. And she'd send me a message. She's like, Tengi, how can I dump him? Oh, no. (laughs) She was like, I need you to give me a script to dump him. I was like, 
we are not dumping him. And this is the thing with being a coach, you see, I get to be a bully. Uh, not really. Like, we're not doing that. Right. And now they're going strong and probably going to get engaged really soon. For her, it's like, I wouldn't have gotten here if I just hadn't had. And all it was is she is an absolute catch, mm-hmm. but she just didn't have that right self-image because no matter how hard we work and how fancy our bits are Mm -hmm. this is about planes of consciousness when you see a person who operates at a different plane of consciousness inferiority complexes start to rise up and those I'm not enough moments become more and so everybody wants that but I always say to my clients look I'm going to put five men right now in front of you one is the guy you always choose and four of them are exactly what you're telling me you want mm-hmm. and I guarantee you by the end of the evening you would have found a reason why the other four oh I just didn't like the way he seems a bit cocky <laughs> you know <laughs> and then you're gonna walk out with a guy that you're used to right. you know and they're like no never I'm like, mm-hmm. and even though you know a lot of women when they do start to date at the level that they should be dating uh-huh. they start to sabotage yes. because it's scary Yes. And they don't really understand what some of those behaviors mean because, yeah, men who are successful sometimes can come across a bit arrogant sometimes Mm -hmm. because it's just their confidence is kind of, you know, tipping over. (laughs) And there's a way to sort of see that versus someone who truly is arrogant. And there are different nuances that you have to be aware of. But it takes not just immediately seeing one thing and saying, no, 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 and understanding what comes with certain high value masculine men. There are things that come with that and really understanding it. My question is, what would you say to a woman who is truly working on herself? She's beautiful. She's elegant. She has good manners. And she meets a man. And she thinks from the man looking at her, he should know where to take her, you know, how to give her a beautiful date night. But he takes her to some low-end raggedy restaurants And she's confused. Like, I don't eat at places like this. (laughs) What is he thinking? What would you suggest for a woman who is attracting men at a lower level than she wants to date? That's a really good one. First and foremost, we have to get into mindset. And that is not being afraid to run off men. A lot of women entertain a lot of foolishness. I'm putting that in inverted commas because some people may not consider that foolishness, but that sort of behavior because they just don't want to run men off. Mm-hmm. Now, a quality woman who knows her true worth and her true value is not concerned with running men off. What a quality woman is concerned with is giving men the opportunity to meet her and deselect themselves. So you send me a message saying you're going to take me to the KFC. Don't sue me, please, KFC. I'm just sorry. <laughs> to the local takeaway. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's perfectly okay for me to decline. What if you're already in the car with him and right. you think you're okay. going to a restaurant and you pull into a KFC? <laughs> oh, okay. First and foremost, we have to set up the whole date perfectly. We really have to learn how to set updates, right? And this is part of these dynamics that a lot of people miss and they find themselves in a ditch. So if we're having a conversation, you say, I'd love to take you out to an oath. That'd be fantastic. I'm available on this day and that date and the other because feminine women are available. So you give him your availability and then he would say, and then you would send him a message saying, please let me know where we're going because I'd like to plan my wardrobe. I'd like to look appropriate and let me know what time and where so I can either meet you there and usually you shouldn't really kind of be getting picked up unless you know this person prior but you can just say please let me know where you'd like to take me so that I can be properly and appropriately dressed I like that yes now if he's taking you to local KFC he's gonna maybe think about that (laughs) or he's gonna say well, it's a surprise. Just, you know, a lot of it is a bit of faith, you know. But to be fair, I always tell my ladies, look, be honest. You know, just be honest and say, thank you so much for bringing me here. But unfortunately, this is not where I feel comfortable. Would you mind if we went somewhere where I'd feel a little bit more comfortable? Now, naturally, a masculine man who is a gentleman is going to want his feminine to be comfortable. 
That's right. That's going to matter to him. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if he's like, well, I'm comfortable here, then you're not dealing with a masculine man. You're actually dealing with a low value feminine guy, in which case it's perfectly OK for you to say, well, OK, you go ahead and grab something to eat and I'll get a cab and I'll go home because we don't need to subject ourselves to situations where we're not comfortable. And that is where we really, really, really get to know how much we love ourselves. That's by the agreements we're willing to make and keep with ourselves. So I always say to my ladies, exit any situations that don't serve you, mm-hmm. that you don't feel comfortable or safe in. And don't be afraid to run him off. He can run off. He'll be okay. He'll be fine. He's a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like that you mentioned sort of that script on how to speak, because a lot of times it's the way that we say things and you can say mm-hmm. the same thing, but if you say it in a way that's kind in a way that's respectful but still keeping your boundaries it's it's a lot less triggering for you as well you know you don't want to end up in an argument or in an uncomfortable situation with someone that's going to scar you you want to be able to feel that you were appropriate and expressing your needs and I love that in your academy you have scripts for women you teach them what to say because to be honest sometimes you don't know how to say something if you didn't have any training or any role models, you don't know how to communicate in a way that is appropriate. So I love that. One thing I want to discuss, because I find this to be very fascinating and I enjoy your content on it. It's something that I, growing up, didn't know that there was a term for it. And being a woman in Christ, I always stayed away from tapping into this sort of content because it was always rooted in things that were, I felt were very dark or tied to like witchcraft or tied to just that, that dark spiritual realm. But because you have talked about it in such a Christ-centered way that made sense to me, I really do want us to discuss dark feminine energy. This is something that I feel I was more naturally inclined to growing up. And I had to learn, actually learn how to embrace my lighter feminine energy in a lot of ways. In some ways I had, in other ways I didn't. And I was leaning too much into the dark feminine energy. But they are needed. There is a balance and there's an appropriate way to use them. So I would love for you to discuss what is dark feminine energy and tying it to the balance of God himself. Oh, dark feminine energy. Wow, this is a journey. And I totally appreciate it because I was exactly the same. I was like, if I hear any, even the word energy used to trigger me, like, what? Yes. Until the Holy Spirit actually taught me and actually gave me a course called Feminine Energy Mastery, where he literally shows me, you know, all of it. It's fantastic. It still kind of triggers people, but energy is really spirit. It's another word for spirit. When I use energy, I am speaking of spirit. Okay. God, you know, sometimes when we use biblical language we get into our religious minds and then we we lose understanding because you know we received it from a certain place so I like to sometimes switch language and energy really is really about spirit and when we hear spirit spirit seems like some effervescent little something to say ethereal but energy as a word contains this sense of power and purpose it is something it does something and so I realized that It was really about understanding that God is energy, God is spirit. And when I observe the scripture, when I look, I call him the God of the Bible because we've got many versions of him. But (laughs) the God of the Bible is this loving, amazing, beautiful father who just gave up his only son. Okay, but he's also the same God that destroyed all of men. He's also the same God that ordered David to kill all of the ites. He's also the same God that if you really look at it, you think, hmm. Okay, kill all the men, take the women. I mean, some of the stuff in the Old Testament would make you think, but yet he is perfect and complete and good in every way. So it was really about understanding the definitions that we put to scripture, first and foremost, knowing that God is perfect, that he is judge and he is father, Mm -hmm. right? He is the lamb and he's the lion. He is to be revered. And he is to be completely loved and cherished. He's to be our friend, but he's also to be our master. And that was really to do with having that integration of self. Mm -hmm. I think in psychology, they call it, uh, I think Carl Jung came up with the idea of the shadow self and, you know, and that other darker side of of us, but not in in a way that is sort of evil, but it's understanding that God is 
what we as humans would do. I don't think he would define himself as good or bad. Us as humans would say, okay, that is that does not compute with this other image that I was given. And in us is the same what I call duality. In us is that God nature where don't mess with Chengi, but Chengi's the most loving person in the world, you know, but just don't. And where's that don't bit? What part does that play? Many of us reject those parts of ourselves, especially people like myself who were raised in church. You know, I'm a church girl, you know, but my relationship with Christ was really personal. You know, I met Christ at the age of five. He was my best friend. I wasn't necessarily raised in a Christian household. So I was born again very early. I didn't even know I was born again, <laughs> right? I just um. thought it was normal. And this was how life was. And so I got into the church and got indoctrinated and learned a lot of good things as well. And so I learned very early in my teens that to be sexual, to be powerful, to speak up for yourself, to have a sense of self and to be connected to your desire is sinful and is evil and leads to all sorts of sin, Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of my young life because I felt that God needed me to honor him in this way. So I spent my whole life repressing, denying, rejecting, disowning that part of me. And, you know, I got married a virgin at the age of 19. I was so proud of myself. And I was like, yes, you're, you're a real Christian, <laughs> you know, right. a real hard Christian. <laughs> but what happened was in my marriage, I was not able to function sexually. I was incapable, completely incapable. And that went on for a really long time. Of course, I blamed it on the ex. He was the brutal monster who did all these things, Mm -hmm. right? When you say function, are you talking about like not knowing how to show up sexually? Just my body wouldn't respond sexually. Your body would not respond. I see. No. So, you know, I just didn't lubricate. I didn't Mm -hmm. because I'd spent so long denying, repressing, disowning. And the thing is, you just think I'm going to get married and I'm going to press the button Mm -hmm. because now that I'm holy and now that I'm doing it in the right situation, Mm -hmm. I'm going to work, right? Yes. And so coming out and, you know, a part of the breakup, not the reason for it per se, but definitely, definitely contributed Mm -hmm. to that. And like you said early in the beginning, if I had healed that part of me, I probably wouldn't have married him. Right. But because he was the man that I didn't feel desire for so I felt safe oh I see okay so if I don't feel desire for him then I'm not going to fornicate or I'm not going to hurt God's feelings right because that's how deep it was for me like it's going to hurt God's feelings right so I was choosing men that my body did not choose Oh, wow. That is so My mind would choose him, but my body would not choose him. And this is a big thing because I work with a lot of, you know, Christian women, a lot of who are getting divorced. A lot of these things show up and God would have it so that I understand because I've been down that road. Mm-hmm. So I chose, you know, what made sense, but my body never did respond because I thought it was evil and sin. And I thought somehow marriage was this magic pill. Mm-hmm. Then I was just going to walk up the aisle. God, you know, we're going to fast and pray and God was going to bless it and our pastors were going to bless it. And then all of a sudden this freedom would come. And so my personal journey was really about integrating in God, really ministering to me that I made you a sexual being. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And of course, taking that very dark journey, because when I got divorced, it became a very dark journey because I felt like I was duped. You said if I was a virgin and I didn't do anything wrong and I watched all these other girls kissing boys in the bike sheds and having their boobs felt up and they're still married and they've got kids and they're happy. How dare you, God? <laughs> right? right. So I'm going to figure this out all by myself. You know, so I went on this really dark journey of I'm not talking to you. I'm going to go over there and make sure I work because I genuinely believe that I didn't work. I genuinely believe that I was broken physically. I go online and, and go to websites of how to fix being frigid and all of these things. Mm-hmm. So having gone to that other side of just completely misbehaving. Right. <laughs> but thank God, not too much. God, you never fall far from the tree. But for the girl who had got married as a virgin, that was luxury as far as I was concerned. It's not as bad. So don't judge me. It's really not. And just realizing that I did work, but it's almost like I felt like I had to rebel against God to figure out that I could follow a desire, that my desire was valid. So then wow. when I was misbehaving, I was actually following desire, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is the weirdest thing. I always say to people, because I knew Christ for such a long time, I'd never known what it was to know his grace and his love. 
But every time I would be going off to misbehave, guess who would come with me? The Holy Spirit. And I would feel his presence so heavy on me. I would, and I'd be like, can you just stay home, please? Stay home, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, he was so gracious. Uh-huh. I mean, even in that season that I called darkness, you know, he he ushered it. It's God's grace is beyond me, but he knew that I had to journey. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. I know what that means mm. in reality to have God with you. And it's that time that I genuinely realized that I am what I am by the grace of God, that all the virginity and all the being a good girl doesn't qualify me, that I'm qualified by his grace and that his love. When the Lord eventually was ready for me to come out and he was not negotiating terms of conditions after this, I realized that all I had done in that moment of rebellion was really follow my desire. I see. All the desires had been repressing. All of the needs I had been repressing. And then that began a journey to wholeness and realizing that being a sexual being is not simple. The desire is healthy. And that being with a man and letting him know that you desire him without jumping into bed with him, without doing anything crazy, but really letting him know that my body likes you. It really does. Mm-hmm. And understanding that, well, that doesn't mean I've got to marry you or that ABC must happen, but being present in the moment with saying, I am a, a whole being. So that didn't have a name. That journey did mm-hmm. not have a name. And then, of course, as I started doing more work, the Lord began to reveal to me uh, this term called dark feminine energy. And then I started to realize that is that was the journey I was on. This is something that I have constantly kind of just been thinking about because more and more I'm hearing these stories of women who are in Christ but are not able to open up sexually once they get married because this has been taught to make it seem like it's something so bad. So now when you're free to do it, you don't know what to do. You don't have anyone to guide you. And if you look to the world, it's just full of like a ton of perversion And you want to make sure you're doing things the way that God wants you to do it. So I do think this is extremely important for women to know that their sexuality and their sensuality and everything God made is perfect within them. And to honor that, not to lean too much into it where you end up becoming promiscuous, but honoring the parts of you that are that way because... That's part of who you are. It's part of what makes you beautiful. I just wanted to say, like, I know for me growing up, one part of me that I repress a lot, which may sound kind of weird now, is my voice. I always felt like my voice, (laughs) like, I played with my voice a lot because I felt like my voice was naturally, like, a little bit too sexy or too sensual. And my aura, I guess you can say, I felt, and people would tell me this, that there was this like sexual charge sometimes that would happen. It doesn't matter how I was dressed. And God forbid I actually found someone attractive. Like there's nothing I could actually do to turn that off. They would just know it. Even if I'm talking about like Skittles or traffic, (laughs) right? It's like, it was just so intense on me. And it's part of me that I love, but Mm. I did not necessarily know how to hone in on that in a way that wasn't over the top. So for you, dark feminine energy was something that you kind of had to embrace. How would you encourage women to embrace their dark feminine energy in a way that is authentic to them? You know, it's really funny because I was and am like you. I was actually talking to one of my coaches and I was like, everywhere I go, men Mm. And I I was always that I didn't understand it, though. I didn't understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. But obviously, now that I know my aura, it's just I'm the very sexual people just read me sexually. And I'm thinking, oh, but I'm holy. Of course, course now I'm like, okay, yes, that is what I am. And God has a reason and a purpose for it. Mm -hmm. And that's why every guy that I dated that wasn't saved is now born again. Right. Because he was using it for his glory. Hallelujah. Okay. Now I'm not encouraging that behavior, but. (laughs) <laughs> just the now, now, basically, I, you know, I heard it said by somebody really wise, I can't remember who, whatever we resist grows. A lot of the reasons why we are not embracing it is because we're resisting it and the resistance causes it to grow. And then what we have to do to keep the monster in check is the dysfunctional behavior, the promiscuity. For me, embracing my dark feminine energy and realizing that I'm actually sexy, spiritually 
I have an aura that is sexy Mm -hmm. and I'm not ashamed of it. And that's perfectly fine. I didn't go and buy it. You know, I didn't run around a cauldron and beg God for it. This is just how God wants me to be. And that is holy. Mm -hmm. That is holy. But also knowing how to work with that. Because I know for me personally, if I know what my aura is like, I have to be very careful. So if my husband's friends are over, you know, I say hi, I ask how you're doing, and then I'm gone. Like I try not to engage too much because I don't want people like accidentally falling in love with me. I know that might sound weird, but once you're aware of certain things, you have to be careful because in those relaxed environments is when something can come up, especially if you yourself are single or are willing, that makes it a lot more of a temptation. Yeah, 100%. What I call that is wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's what I call wisdom. Because First, embracing it and saying, this is who I am. And then understanding that with great power comes great responsibility. Right. You know, a friend of mine was saying, Changi, how come you don't wear shorts? I was like, because I'm already enough. I actually am very modestly dressed. Very rarely will you see me in small bits and pieces because I'm already enough. Covered <laughs> from head to toe. It doesn't matter. I am already mean. enough. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And what I do exactly the same thing as you, I you know, I, my friends know I hold myself to a very high standard of integrity. You know, I don't need your boyfriend's number. I don't need to be alone with him. I don't need him to visit me. And when I am in the company of a married woman or any women and they've got their men around them, I call it a winking spirit, right? Okay. Like, I don't have a winking spirit. Like, he could be trying it on, but I'm giving him, like, cold eyes. Right, right. right. Because I also feel that when you have that, you are responsible to preserve the relationships around you. Because... What's happening here is an animalistic thing. It's not necessarily a true desire for you. It's not a real, you know, I just want to be with Chingy because I adore her and she's a good woman. It's just pheromones. It's just biology going on. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to deceive myself into thinking that, oh, he wants to leave his beautiful wife for me. That's just ridiculous, right? For me, everything is about honor and integrity. And that has to do with my personal relationship with God and how I choose to grow my character. And I believe that we should, as high-value feminine women, I think we should hold ourselves to a high level of integrity. So, you know, I am very respectful around couples. I don't wear certain things, you know, even if we're going on holiday and you're coming and your boyfriend is going to be there, it's going to be a maxi dress for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be low key for me and I'm not going to be hanging around. But obviously if we're all friends and you trust my spirit, which most couples do, then we usually are fine. And because I don't entertain the vibration and the energy that might be coming my way, naturally men just back down in that situation. Right. And it's really about understanding your power and, you know, embracing like I said, is called wisdom. But you, you have know, to so, be healed yeah. in that. You have to be healed because if you enjoy attention and you already are leaning into your dark feminine energy because that's how God made you, then yes, yes you will be doing those things. And oh, yes. that's oh, part yes. of the I, process. Are there yeah, some I, tips that you can give to women who have not embraced the side of them, the side of them that is assertive, the side of them that has desires, the side of them that wants things and is okay sharing what they want or saying like, you know what, I'm not comfortable with this. I'll pay for the whole bill or, you know, (laughs) you know, just the things that come up in dating where maybe men are trying certain things that you're not comfortable with. And you're saying, these are my wants and these are my desires and I'm not going to back down from them. If you don't want them, that's okay. We don't have to be together. Just the whole breadth, the whole scope of dark feminine energy. Are there tips that you can like tangible tips that you can give women to start with if they have not leaned into the side of them? So boundaries and standards, you can work those out. You can work out the boundaries and standards that are for you. So even if I am not comfortable, I know that this won't work for me. That behavior won't work for me. And then learning to articulate them in a feminine way. A lot of women are afraid to speak because they don't know how to do it in such a way that won't offend or hurt the other person or come across some kind of way so they don't speak at all. So it's about developing the tools, the communication tools to actually set your boundaries in a way that is loving, in a way that doesn't make the other person feel judged. So, you know, if you are out and a man is touching you in a place you don't want him to touch you, you can just take your hand and move it off him and say, 
I'm not comfortable with that. But when you do that, you don't have to shove his hand away. You can stroke his the back of his hand and, you know, look at him in the eyes and smile and say, I'm not comfortable. And that's okay because sometimes we feel like we have to do the whole, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so <laughs> a lot of it is communication, which is really, really, really key. Um, learning how to communicate your needs and also knowing your needs. So a lot of the practical stuff I tell women to do is you need your five core needs. You need to know what your five core needs are, what your five non-negotiables are, and your three desires. That is the only plane upon which we defend. Everything else, we let it go, because otherwise we become difficult to be around. Mm -hmm. Everything else, we we just let it go. But in these five core needs, in these five non-negotiables, and around our desires, we will speak up for ourselves. And when you say desires, what exactly is a desire? A desire, I call it, is something that it's not a core need. It's something that I would like. It's like cherry on top. So I always say things like, you know, I want a guy who's kind of da, 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 tall, six foot four. That's a desire. I don't need it to be happy. I don't need it to be, you know, to be complete or satisfied in a relationship, but I can stick it on there. Or a desire is I want him to be a millionaire. He doesn't need to be rich, but it'd be nice. So in that area, we can let that go if we found our core needs are really, truly met mm-hmm. and then none of our non-negotiables are present, then we can play around with desire because God is faithful, right? He gives us exceedingly abundantly above, right? But we can, you know, that's not important. You know, I don't need him to be told for me to be happy. I don't need him to be rich to be happy. So that's kind of around that desire element. I always give the girls three. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with us. It was so helpful. I wish we could have spoken a lot longer, but hopefully we can one day if you come to visit Los Angeles. I will. And I want (laughs) to encourage women to look into Black Swan Relationship Academy. I receive so many messages about whether or not I do one-on-one counseling or I do one-on-one coaching, and I do not. But the only coaching service that I can say I truly recommend out there would be Black Swan Relationship Academy in terms of the quality that you're getting, the Christ-centered counsel that you're getting, and just the authentic, beautiful personality of the coaches. So, Chanky, tell them where they can find you. Well, what's really exciting is we've just released our Black Swan app. So your Black Swan relationship app, you can go and find us there, download it on Google Play and Apple Store. I'm so excited. It's all going down in there. So you can always book a call and interact with the coaches and interact with the community, the sorority, I call it, in the Black Swan app. But you can also find us at blackswanrelationshipacademy.com and Black Swan Relationship Academy on all our handles. We'll be there for you to serve you. That's where you can find me. You have a YouTube channel as well, right? YouTube. Yes, <laughs> Black Swan Relationship Academy on YouTube. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Changi. It was such a delight being able to speak with you. I hope you have a wonderful day and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you for watching. Bye.